Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, it's Spencer Garrett from HBO's Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. And on air with Ruben Jay, he's delightful. Give him a watch. He needs the attention. <laughs> I do. Thank you so much. Hey, hey, it's Ruben Jay. You are listening to On Air with Ruben Jay. It's going to be a good one. I promise you it's going to be a good one. Uh, before we jump into this week's episode, of course, you can always get this episode early and ad-free over at Dollar in the Jar. .com for $3 a month. You'll get full video access and early and ad-free access to this podcast, any future podcasts that we do, and of course, my editorial articles for MultimediaMouth.com. Now, and if you are like me and you are like, hey, money's a little tight, but I'm still doing my shopping, but can't really afford to throw $3 into the jar, no problemo. You head over to MultimediaMouth.com forward slash Amazon. Click on the Amazon banner on that page and start your Amazon shopping there, and we'll get a small percentage of what you purchase. So you buy a new TV, we get a small percentage of that. It's all good stuff, man. Let me tell you something. Anybody who's purchased something on Amazon over the last couple of months using our link at MultimediaMouth.com forward slash Amazon, I am extremely grateful for you. Extremely grateful for you. So this week's episode, a little late to the publishing, just in general, just giving you a heads up. It's been a busy, busy couple of weeks uh, going into this, but I'm excited to be back with this week's guest, and we'll talk about him in just a second. But I wanted to just say stick around for the end of the show, where I'm going to announce he's going to be on next week's show, uh, as well as talk about a couple things that I think are some fun things to talk about. So with that being said, let's jump in to this week's episode. You've tuned in to On Air with Ruben J, your home for entertainment news and deep dive conversation. Here's your host, Ruben J. Spencer Garrett is a third-generation actor whose career spans 30 years in film, television, and theater. Over the course of his career, he's been on screen and behind the scenes as well, including films like Air Force One, Winning Time is a film about Magic Johnson and the Lakers versus Larry Bird in the 80s. It's an incredible show. And I think you'll enjoy this conversation I have as we discuss Spencer's time in the business, preparing for this show, and what he's watching. Take a listen. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Spencer Garrett is joining me right now. Uh, Spencer, I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, you are one of the stars of HBO's Winning Time, which is a show about, uh, you know, like you just, literally off air, you were giving me a little bit of hard time. Like I grew up in LA and I'm, you know, know literally nothing about the Lakers other than the fact Unbelievable. that. Unbelievable. It's, it's shameful. It's it, shameful. It truly is. Um, but, I, you know, I'm looking at your bio here and you've been in this business forever, man, longer than I've been alive. What? 137 uh, years, I think, something like that. That's that's a long time. So I want to, you know, I, I want to jump in, uh, and obviously we're going to talk about the HBO show here in a second. But you know, with everything that you've done um, in your career, I, I, I just I want to start off and ask, you know, we're in a new generation of entertainment. You know, um, literally everyone and their mothers has a streaming service. Everyone and their mothers have a podcast. Um, you know, how how do you see, like? How do you see people really make, we were talking about this even off air a minute ago too. You know, there's so many things for us to watch and consume and, you know, not even counting the books that are being published every day and different articles and stuff you could read. You know, do you see the business, like, has it changed that much for you that you're just sitting here and thinking, is there too much content? Is there too much stuff out there for people to watch? And how are people like HBO has been doing a good job getting some really good stuff out there the last couple of years in particular at one point, do, do the consumers just say, you know what, this is too much? I don't know. I don't know that consumers will say this is too much because particularly coming, coming out of the pandemic, and God willing, we're coming out of the pandemic. But, uh, I mean, what did you do for the last two years when you were cloistered in your home? I mean, we watched, we watched television. We, 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 we gathered around the campfire and turned on our Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and HBO and all of that because we couldn't leave the house. So there was a wealth of great content that came out uh, during that time. And I mean, HBO really kind of, they set the bar pretty high. They kind of were the game changers, weren't they? With the Sopranos, yeah. it kind of changed the landscape of television and turned, turned television into uh, almost like watching a, a great feature film uh, every week. So it, it kind of started with that. And a lot of people say, yeah, there is too much content. There's almost too much to watch. You flip on your Netflix and you look, you, you scroll through the queue and you go sometimes, my God, how am I possibly going to be able to find something? Um, but I, I think it's great for actors because there's, there's much more work out there for actors. Uh, it's a, it's a golden age of television right now, Ruben. And it's, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's only going to get better and better. And I think you see, you see a lot more, obviously, uh, there used to be kind of a cast system where you had like movie actors that only did movies and television actors that only did television. And now it, it, you get some of the greatest film actors that are doing television series and limited series. And um, that started with, I think, really with, with The Sopranos. And then you had, uh, I did a series years ago for Michael Mann, uh, of, you know, heat fame and, uh, uh, you know, public enemies. He, uh, uh, he cast Dustin Hoffman in a show called luck, uh, about horse racing. And, um, that was in about 2011, 2012. And Dustin Hoffman as a movie star 
doing a television series that kind of like that kind of reset everything that sort of changed that it, it raised the bar and it changed the stakes for for making uh, TV content. And it's just gotten better and better. Yeah, I, I will say this, you know, the stuff that comes out on these streaming platforms in particular have been absolutely killer. I think, you know, Apple's The Morning Show is one of the best shows I've seen in, in a long time, you know, and, and my, my personal show. It's great. It's a great show. Um, you know, but with this show in particular, Winning Time, you know, I, I've watched about 25 minutes of episode one so far. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not a Lakers fanatic so it wasn't like something that was on the top of my queue to watch but watching the 25 minutes that i watched i'm hooked already you know like it's a different style of show that i feel yeah. is like so far what i've seen and you can correct me if i'm wrong you obviously know much more about the show than i do i feel like it's house of cards kind of meets the office where it looks like it's going to be there's going to be some humorous moments in it but it looks like it's a well-rounded scripted i'm going to call it a dramedy because i'm not really sure if it's you know, comedy just yet. Tell me more about some it's, of the cinematic side of it. I mean, it's, uh, it has all of the hallmarks of, uh, I mean, so that's actually a great description, by the way. Um, also meets a little bit of succession. House of Cards meets The Office, meets succession, um, meets, uh, meets semi-pro. I mean, it's got, you don't have to be a Lakers fan or really a, a sports fan or a basketball fan to, to love the show and to appreciate the show. It's got all of the great elements that make an Adam McKay comedy great and all of the elements that make a great show like Succession great or Adam McKay's Vice. Um, he, he interweaves, it's not just about basketball, but he takes 1979 when Magic Johnson first came to the NBA and changed the, the, changed the game, changed the landscape of the NBA changed the, the landscape of basketball and sports in general. I mean, he was really, he was, he was magic. He was Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan. Um, and it really kind of changed, turned it into showtime. It turned sports into entertainment. And so Adam McKay, first and foremost, is a showman. He knows how to put on a show. He knows what works in comedy. He knows what works in drama. And he also interweaves really wonderful elements of, of race and politics and cultural politics and cultural identity and black versus white and all of that. I mean, uh, not being a sports fan, I'll tell you something that you didn't know and something that I didn't know going into this, but at one point the NBA was trying to uh, stop the dunk. They, 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 they were trying to get players, particularly African-American players to stop dunking so much because it made them look too aggressive. Interesting. And, and the African-American players pushed back on that. I mean, it was it was a flashier, more aggressive style of play, a more aggressive style of basketball. And the NBA was trying to tell the team owners, hey, maybe tell your guys, quote unquote, your black players, not to dunk so much because it makes them look too angry and too aggressive. So things like that are, are, are addressed. Um, Obviously, uh, in the pilot episode, you see, uh, well, you'll see Larry Bird. They talk about Larry Bird. And uh, Larry Bird was was the kind of the great white hope for basketball coming out of Indiana State. And uh, Magic Johnson beat him for the NCAA championship when he played for Michigan State. And, uh, and it started this incredible rivalry and also a great conversation about white white versus black and and uh and and adam mckay addresses that as well doesn't hit you over the head with it but it's 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 subtle 
but it's it's subtle, but it also uh, it packs a punch. Uh, a lot of his stuff is is a real kind of gut punch and makes you think about it. I it, for all you the podcast fans out there, since we're on a podcast, Adam McKay. I'm not here to plug McKay because he doesn't need my help. But there's a great there's a great show that he does called Death at the Wing, which is uh, a, a a podcast about basketball uh, and players throughout the years and it talks about them in terms of the politics that were going on at the time so uh there was a great player named len bias who was drafted by the celtics out of the university of maryland and famously he died of a cocaine overdose uh a couple of days before he was about to report to camp for the celtics and mckay goes into what was going on with the drug culture at the time in america stuff like that he's fascinated by fascinated by politics obviously if you saw if you saw vice if you saw up and you know don't look up but uh it, it goes much deeper and it talks about a lot of different issues and so it's it's the show is flashy winning time it's flashy it's a hell of a lot of fun to look at he shoots it on 35 millimeter film and super 8 uh which was you know the 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 film choice of the time we didn't have digital back then so the look is kind of grainy it's like watching an old vhs and uh, it's just the, the craftsmanship on this thing is really extraordinary. And the way the writers weave in uh, sports and sex and politics and all of that, it's uh, so you don't have to be a Laker fan. You don't have to be a basketball fan um, to appreciate how entertaining this show is. It's wildly entertaining. It's a hell of a lot of fun to watch, even if I wasn't in it. Um, you know, there's my there's my dude right there. There's Chick Hearn. <laughs> even if I wasn't playing Chick Hearn. Um, I would be such a fan of the show. Uh, I just, it's, it's so much, so much fun to watch. And it also makes you think at the same time. And the actors are incredible. I mean, it's, John incredible C. Riley, it's, it's amazing. Like I, I, you know, I pinch myself every time I pulled up to work every day and, you know, sitting in the makeup trailer, uh, in the chair next to Sally field, you know, and you just go, wow. I mean, this is something really special. So, yeah. And you know, what's funny is, uh, you know, the opening scene, uh, for those who haven't watched it, really sets the tone for me about what we're going to see. Because for me, I wasn't really expecting the show to take me back to the 80s, you know. And, yeah. like, like yeah. you know, a lot of times when these these shows, as an example, I don't know if you saw House of Gucci, you know, they kind of went back, you know, to the I decade. Know. Great film. I love the film. But they didn't do – I don't think they did as well of a job setting people in the time as Winning Time is doing because it literally feels like you're watching someone's home video, yeah, um, exactly, and, exactly. Yeah, and and I I loved seeing. Uh, I believe it was uh, John C. Riley opens a, opens the show, and literally does the whole uh, House of Cards thing where he looks into the camera, you know, and starts direct, you know, directly talking to, you know, the camera. But then viewer, he's breaking the fourth wall yeah. and talking right to the viewer. Yeah. I lo I love that concept yeah. because. You know, House of Cards did it really well, but it was just, um, you know, the main character. I forget the, what's 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 the actor's name. I totally forgot his name. Uh, Buss, Doctor Jerry Buss. No, no, but yeah, yeah, but but in, in House of Cards, uh, who's the main? Frank Underwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank Underwood. You know, like he was the only character that did that until the final season when uh, when when his wife finally did it. This season, everyone who seems to be a major player is doing it, and I love that. I love this the cinematography of it. Everything yeah. is really so far, and I'm 25 minutes in. I'm I'm selling it as if I've been watching every episode so far. Um, so you know, you told me off air that that Dick Hearn hasn't done that yet. I I don't know that I do that actually this season. I mean, you see enough of Chick talking to the camera as the broadcaster, but 
I think I might I might might be one of the few people that actually doesn't turn to the camera and break the fourth wall. So I'm 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 hoping that I'm hoping I get to do that because uh, they got the guys have so much fun doing it. The actors have such such a blast uh, breaking the fourth wall in in season one in the various episodes. So I I hope they'll let me do it because I want to play too. I'm I'm gonna call Adam and say make it happen. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> he, he doesn't take my calls anymore, but uh, <laughs> he never did. Um, so I you know I want to know like this this obviously is a is a different. I feel like it's a different thing than what you've done before. Uh, what drew you to this project? Because I, I feel like every actor has the ability to to get attached to certain projects that maybe are more than just a paycheck, you know? So I, I feel like this might be one of those projects for you. I may be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. What drew you to, to winning time? I mean, when I heard this thing was happening, uh, I actually met McKay for the first time at the screening, uh, at the premiere of Vice, uh, Sam Rockwell is an old pal and one of my favorite actors and just an incredible talent. And I went to see the, the premiere of Vice and I went up and introduced myself to, uh, to Adam McKay. This is five, four or five years ago. I just went up and said, hey man, I just, I love the film. It was a real punch in the gut, just a beautiful piece of work, I thought. And uh, Christian Bale, I'd worked with Christian on, uh, on Public Enemies, on Michael Mann's Public Enemies years ago. So I got to say hi to Christian and and Sam afterwards. And I went up to McKay and he's like, we've never worked together, have we? And I said, no, sir, we have not. And he said, well, let's fix that sometime. He said, you're on my radar now. So uh, whether that was true or not, a couple of years later, when this project was coming down the pike, I, I just, I heard there was a Chick Hearn character and I thought, man, I would just knock this out of the park. Um, I, I hoping that's hoping that's the case when you see me, but I just thought I could really bring something fun and special to this. I was lucky enough to get an audition with Francine Maisler, uh, the great casting director who does a, 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 all of the best films, it seems like, and does all of McKay's stuff. And so I went in, auditioned and uh, walked out of the room feeling like that was pretty good. I had about 12 pages of material, Chick Hearn calling the game, just nonstop talking. And I went in, I, I found a vintage like polyester suit with a big fat wide tie wow. and went in there in like a 1970s head headspace. And I just brought the Chick Hearn voice and the Chick Hearn mannerisms. And there was a great scene in the audition also with what would be, eventually be Pat Riley, who's played by Adrian Brody. And uh, just felt like I had a good audition. And I got the call about a mm, couple months later that I'd, that I'd gotten the gig. We shot the pilot about a month after that. And, uh, and then we were getting ready to go into production the following spring in 2020. And then of course the pandemic hit and we shut down, but I just knew that this was something that was in my wheelhouse. And I, I had come right off of the Tarantino film where I was kind of playing this sort of announcery guy. And I think I kind of had that sort of in my body. And I grew up watching Chick Hearn and, and watching the Lakers and watching this guy. And um, he was an iconic presence and he was so good at his job. And I just thought there's so much that I could bring to this, not just doing an impression of him, but bringing, bringing my own spin on it as well. And the writers write for him wonderfully. And uh, the scene coming up tomorrow night, if you, when you catch up the scene where you first really are introduced to Chick for the first time, when Adrian Brody as Pat Riley comes to Chick Hearn asking him for a job. Uh, a lot of people don't know that Pat Riley 
actually started off as Chick Hearn's assistant, started off as his his color man, his side man at the table there, mm-hmm. calling the basketball games before he became the iconic Pat Riley with the slick back hair. So there were just there. It just felt like I just felt like this was mine to get and mine to lose. And I went in and, you know, just tried to knock it out of the park. You know, it's funny because as you're, you know, kind of describing some of the characters you've played in the past, it feels like you might have a little bit of a, I'm not going to say a cast type because I, I think that's the wrong thing to do, but you've, you played Sean Hannity, you know, you played announcer type, uh, you know, can, do you think we might see you play John Madden at some point? <laughs> oh my God. I'd love to play John Madden. That would be uh that would be a whole other level of prosthetic work. I'm in, I'm in prosthetic <laughs> makeup to play Sean Hannity uh, to to play, to play uh, chick. Uh, it's two hours, a little over two hours uh, every morning to put this face on. He had a very, very specific kind of beaky nose and a square chin, and they put a wig on me. And uh, I mean, they transformed my face into a whole other human being. Uh, that's pretty wild. I didn't do that so much with Hannity. Hannity's already, he already looks like a cartoon character in real life, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But he had that, he's got that really stupid hair with the part in the middle, like a 1920s barbershop quartet. Um, so I, I didn't really have to do much with Hannity other than do his voice and kind of talk like, you know, talk like this with a kind of New York accent. Um, Cause he's, uh, I, he's, he's already a parody of himself. So that was, uh, that was a piece of cake. Um, but with chick, I really, really wanted to get the voice right. So uh, uh, yeah, I've got, I've played a lot of real life guys uh, sometimes larger than life. And, and uh, but you know, you got to leave your, as an actor, you have to leave your judgment of them, you know, in the trailer before you walk onto the stage with Sean, with Sean Hannity, I, I I had no F's left to give. Uh, so I just thought, you know, this guy couldn't be any uh, more of a, a, a threat to democracy. Um, so I'm just going to play him as the cartoon character that he is. But Chick, I really wanted to honor his legacy. Yeah, I, I think there's a totally different thing when you're playing, you know, a legendary sports broadcaster versus, you know, uh, a political commentator who you know, is, is divisive at, at best. Um, you know, but let's, let's talk about your, your career a little bit here too, because, you know, you've done stuff on stage, you've done stuff on film, you've produced stuff, you know, um, you're in this high, you know, high quality dramedy right now. Uh, what part of the business is your favorite? Like, do you enjoy being a producer more than an actor? Do you like being on stage in front of a live audience? Do you, do you prefer just kind of doing the the hair and makeup and going out and giving your best? Is it, is it a, 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 a joint venture of all of them that you enjoy? Cause I know for me, you know, there's something beautiful about being behind this microphone and talking just one-on-one with, yeah. with, with you. But if you give me a microphone in front of a couple hundred people, it's a whole different world for me. So what about really? you? Yeah. You know what, Ruben, I think I'm a, I might be a bit of a unicorn. I, when it comes to being on a set, I, I've been doing this since I was a kid, mm-hmm. first of all, and I'm a third generation. My grandparents were actors. My mom was an actor. So I grew up around it. Um, so I, I did an appreciation for all of it at a very young age. Um, I really truly can honestly say that I've been doing this 30 something years now. Every time I show up onto a set, it's a blast. I love everything about it. I love the I love the gossip in the makeup trailer the first thing in the morning. I love the craft service. I love you know bullshitting with the crew and you know chatting with the cast members, sitting around in our cast chairs. Everything about it is thrilling to me. 
Um, I, I, I always tell myself that if I ever get to the point where I show up on a set and I'm not interested to be there or not excited as hell to be a part of, no matter what it is, if it's a little indie for, you know, for a buck and a quarter or something massive like this or Air Force One or whatever it is, um, if I ever get to the point where it's no fun anymore, then it's time to hang up, you know, hang up your spurs. Um, I just, I love everything about it, man. I love working with new filmmakers. I've been blessed to work with some of the best. I mean, from Mike Nichols to Wolfgang Peterson to Adam McKay, uh, you know, to Michael Mann. I mean, I feel very lucky. And every time I get to step onto a set, I just feel lucky that I get to do this another day. I know that sounds cliche, but it's really, it's really very true. I, um, I enjoy what I do and, uh, I, and I, I try to bring that kind of excitement. Um, I try to learn the names of every crew member, um, within, you know, a short period of time. So I'm, you feel like you're, cause if you do a guest spot, like on law and order or SWAT or whatever it is, you're part of their family for 10 days or two weeks. If you're a part of a show, a series like this for six months, you're part of a big extended family for a long period of time. And, um, and so you want to, you want to bring that vibe to the set and that kind of enthusiasm. Um, I work with some people who are not pleasant to work with and that's really a bummer to be around. So I, uh, I try to, I try to enjoy it and bring my love for performing and my enthusiasm for being a part of creating something new. I try to bring that every time. Um, I produced a couple of things, uh, produced a couple of films, a, a great podcast a couple of years ago, which was my first venture into that uh, arena with, uh, I did a thing called America 2.0 with Lawrence Fishburne. So I, I got a, I got a taste for doing that as well. I love all of it. I love, I just love creating. I love, I love making new stuff and creating content that people want to enjoy and, and, and are entertained by. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for myself as a, as a little small little fish in this giant pond uh, of content creators, but I think that content creation is one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done, uh, and I can tell just by listening to you that you really, really enjoy creating stuff that people enjoy to consume. 
I do. Um, you know, like there's there's a little spark in your eye as you're talking about going on stage and or going on set and you know working with your fellow actors. I I love that. I love dealing with people who I, I've dealt with people as well. Like you've said, I, I worked with uh, a, a television show on NBC for a little bit, and one of the main people you know walked into a room and was like, I don't effing want to be here right now. I don't want to talk to any of these effing people. And I just and I well, happen to you down, man. And that brings you down. It 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 it, it kills your buzz and makes you not want to be there. Yeah, and so, I just I was like, well, then I don't want to talk to you either, but I do because you know you bring viewers in, so I'll, I'll do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, so the show's called Winning Time. It's on HBO. You can get it on HBO Max as well. With I think the next day after it airs, uh, you made your your big on screen debut this last Sunday. By the time this comes out, um, I want to know kind of uh, where we stand now. What what the what the future of the show holds? What are you hoping the viewers take away from the show? Because this is both a, a historical show where people are going to learn a lot about the Lakers and, you know, the NBA back then, but it's also entertainment. So what are you hoping that the viewer is going to learn over the next, however many episodes there are uh, left in season one? I hope they don't feel like they have to learn anything. I, I just hope that they are entertained as hell uh, by the show. It's really, like I said, it's, it's really entertaining as hell. Um, you, you will also find, I mean, a lot of people that are huge basketball fans are going to want to watch the show because of the basketball. And we get to that uh, at the end of Magic Johnson's rookie season in 79. Obviously, they won the championship in his rookie year against the Sixers. Spoilers, so Spencer. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, yeah, sorry. You could you could edit that out. Uh, but there, but there is there's a lot of basketball. You'll see that it takes place over five years. It's based on Jeff Perlman's great book Showtime. So not really that much of a spoiler to say. You know the 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 Lakers won the championship in '79. Sorry, you can go back in a time machine and find that out for yourself. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they, there's a lot of basketball to be played. It's entertaining as hell to watch these actors, uh, Solomon Hughes and Quincy Isaiah, that play Magic and Kareem. Uh, they were not. I mean, they were actor. They were actors first. Uh, Solomon was a basketball player, uh, but a lot of the actors that play Lakers were had to be taught really how to play basketball better. There are basketball doubles, um, but the basketball watching itself is really thrilling. It's a lot of fun to watch, but um, I hope people will learn more about this time period and about, uh, like I said earlier, about the kind of the politics of the time. And uh, you see great backstories about Jerry West's upbringing and what made him the way he was, um, Pat Wiley's upbringing and what made him the way they was. It's they, they they really do a deep dive into the character studies of these people. You really you really believe these characters and you find yourself invested in them. There are a lot of characters. Um, there's Jerry Buss and Jerry West and Magic and Cream and uh, Claire Rothman, played by the great Gabby Hoffman. Uh, there's so many great characters and there's something for everybody in this show. There really is. And so I just hope people are really entertained and they want to see, uh, obviously we're going to get into, uh, the Lakers versus the Celtics, uh, which oh, yeah. is a, a huge part of the story. Uh, terrific actor named Sean Patrick small, uh, was cast as, uh, uh, as Larry bird. And he's fantastic. He shows up a couple episodes down the line. So, um, you know, it's just it, it takes you back to also to a nostalgic time when all the Lakers did seemingly was win. And uh, I know you're not a big basketball guy, but you probably have heard the Lakers kind of suck this year. <laughs> and, um, 
So it's uh, there's nothing better than watching a show about us about watching the show about the Lakers when they are so successful and winning all the time will make you nostalgic, hopefully for that time when things were so great uh, and make you forget about how dismal this season is. I hope you can put your cares and woes aside about, uh, about the 2022 season with the Lakers and go back in time and watch them then when they just fucking rocked all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember I I've heard, you know, my, my oldest brother was a huge Lakers fan uh, and Back when the Lakers were sucking in the 2000s, he'd always remind us that, hey, man, the Lakers don't always suck this way. There was That's a true. go back That's and look. <laughs> I got to say, though, I went to I went to a game uh, a couple weeks ago. I went to a game against the Washington Wizards. They'd been losing and losing and losing. And I went to a game against the Wizards and uh, LeBron James like lit it up for 50 points. The building was rocking. The place was on fire. And they won handily, and it was like, wow, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's what that's. And and I thought, well, first of all, I thought, what what a great, what a how lucky that I was to have been there that night. And then everybody said, well, you got to come back every night now because maybe you were the good. <laughs> I, wore, I was wearing that Chick Hearn T-shirt. I got a I've got a uh, I've got a T-shirt that has Chick Hearn with the doing like L.A. Oh, that's on, awesome. You know, and uh, so people were like, oh, you're Chick Hearn on the thing, and. Um, so I got to go back there and make them win more. I, th- I don't think they have a chance of at this point of being in the playoffs, but uh, I'd like to think I was a good luck charm on that night. Hey, you know what? It's funny because the one time I went to Laker game was during a season where they were losing quite often, and they happened to win the one time I was there. So I, I think I might be a lucky charm for them too that one night. Uh, you, know. you must be, Ruben. You must be. <laughs> maybe, we should, maybe we should go to a game together. Let's do it. I, I will, uh, I'll take you up on that offer. Uh, let's, uh, let me ask you this because, you know, there's another golden era for the Lakers uh, later on in the years. Do you think a show like this would work for the Kobe Shaq era of the Lakers? 100%. 100%. Uh, because there was such a great rivalry between those two guys. Oh, there yeah. was a lot of friction between Shaq and Kobe. Uh, they famously did not get along and yet somehow managed to win, what, three championships, three, I think? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, they were extraordinary. And there was this kind of battle of egos and uh, all of that backstage drama that we all heard about in the press between these two guys and how dysfunctional they were. Um, and yet they... They won a lot, so that would be a great show. I would totally watch that. And also, Chick Hearn was around then too. So, <laughs> so you, you'd have a job, <laughs> a job, you know, in the '90s as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, knock wood, man. Let's 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 get that show off the air. Uh, let's bring get, bring let's me on as a producer. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But again, uh, who would you cast as, as Shaq? Who could who could you possibly yeah. cast as Shaquille O'Neal? You couldn't do it. I mean, it was hard enough for them to find. Uh, Magic Johnson and uh, and and uh, I mean Ma- Magic is uh, Quincy's six foot two, um, and they put him in these shoes to make him six foot nine. The guy playing Kareem is already six eight or six nine, and they've got to make him taller. So yeah. how would you? What was Shaq six seven two seven four? Let's find something out something like that. You know, four hundred pounds. Get on the Google machine. Yeah, find seven out. one. He was seven one. Seven one, big dude. Yeah. I mean how you would find an actor for that. So um, that would be, that would be the casting challenge. I mean, I've heard that McKay finding Quincy and, and particularly magic uh, certainly magic in particular, the casting challenge of all time to find 
Quincy. I don't know how they did it, but they did. And they struck gold with Quincy Isaiah. Um, I don't know how you'd cast Shaquille O'Neal. So that would be, uh, that, that would be, I don't know if Francine Maisler, our casting director, would even want that gig. Um, cause <laughs> she's like, no, I'm done. I mean, that would just be like, that would be the ultimate, uh, that would be the ultimate, uh, casting call of all time. Yeah. Uh, try to find Shaquille O'Neal. Kobe might be a little bit easier, but uh, again, but so larger than life, charismatic. Um, you, you look at, you look at, uh, there's a great documentary about magic and, and, uh, Larry Bird called a courtship of rivals. Mm-hmm. And it's a terrific, it's one of many things that I watched in preparation for the show when we shot the pilot a couple of years ago, um, about their relationship as a, as a rivalry. Um, they, ostensibly they couldn't stand each other, but they, they created each other to a certain extent. They made each other what the other one was in terms of the, the sports zeitgeist. Um, so much in the same way that Shaq and Kobe did. So, uh, that would be fun. That would be fun to watch, but the dynamic between, uh, Larry and magic in this thing is, is really so electric and you never had anything thing like that in sports we didn't have anything like like a, a bird in a magic it's certainly not in pro basketball up to that point. yeah I, it's it's interesting sports is just such an interesting thing because um you know like in in, in television you know you can cast the good guy and the bad guy you know and in sports you know one team will perceive the star of another team as the bad guy, but then it's flipped the other way. So there's such an interesting dynamic there, you know, because in movies and film, everyone knows who the good guy is. Everyone knows who the bad guy is. And if the script is written, written well, you're going to cheer for the good guy and, you know, hope the bad guy has his comeuppance. But in sports, you have two universes at all times, just kind of coming at each other. And, you know, it's just such a incredible dynamic so I'd, I'd be interested to watch uh obviously this show that we're talking about but obviously uh if there was a, a kobe uh shack show in development in the future i would love to see that um just because that was my childhood you know um yeah sure and i think and also jeff jeff perlman wrote a book about that as well so uh if you want to if you want to start doing your research for when you come on the writing team <laughs> when we put that series a couple of years down the road uh read jeff perlman's show about uh about the Kobe and Shaq circus oh, yeah, of, that, of the, of the nineties as well. But I mean, going back to the villain thing, uh, the, the bird and magic, I mean, you had, you had the Celtics, which were just the dominant basketball team in the NBA of their time. I mean, I had a 16 or 20 championships, something like that up by the time this rivalry started. I mean, they were off the charts in terms of how many championships they'd won. And they were certainly, you had, you had magic Johnson who had the smile and the verve and the charisma and the magic and versus this kind of sullen kind of sour, uh, you know, visage in Larry bird and this, the dreaded rivals of the Celtics. I mean, it is, it's, it's good versus evil. They were the, you know, they were the, it was, they were the ultimate uh, adversaries and red, red Auerbach certainly uh, fed into that. Michael Chiklis plays red Auerbach, the, the great Celtics coach. Uh, he's the, he's the, he's Darth Vader. I mean, he's yeah. the evil empire in the story and uh, he's so great. He's so much fun to watch. 
so I just I, I you you piqued my interest here when you were talking about the Celtics championships. Let's let me just read these off real quick. Uh, they won a championship in 57, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 68, 69, <laughs> 74, okay. 70. You can stop now, Ruben. We get it. We're good. They were good. But then, when, but then when did they? When did the Lakers start winning? Uh, let me look. Uh, yeah, Lakers. eighty-one. I mean, and then and then the Lakers. The Lakers run started. I mean, yeah, you're right. The Celtics run of champions just off the charts bananas yeah so between um, the lakers won in 54 and there was a almost a 20 year gap uh 72. 72 and then 80 82 85 87 88 2000 2001 2002 2009 so yeah. um yeah the lakers and the celtics will go down as two of the best teams to ever play um the best teams ever yeah no no question yeah, yeah i mean and I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm a little biased but i'm not that biased but I mean, uh, history was, history has already recorded that they're the two best teams ever. Yeah, and it, it's the it's the other than maybe uh, New York uh, Yankees and, and and the Red Sox, uh, Duke and Carolina, uh, Lakers and Celtics are you know the the best rivalry in sports. Oh, absolutely, hands. absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I I remember even years after they were both at the top of their game that, you know, whenever LA and, and the Celtics play each other, it, it is a contentious event. You know, uh, if you have friends that are, you know, fans of Lakers and fans of Celtics, they are talking trash. Every time they start talking basketball, it is, I love it. And I will sit there and I will, my classic joke is I really love seeing, you know, well, when he was alive, you know, I used to say, I really love seeing Kobe Bryant running those baseball, you know, running the baseball diamond and scoring all the goals, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's my knowledge of sports, but I understood the rivalry because yeah. of, you know, the, the shows that I love professional wrestling. It's all about well, rivalries. And being a younger guy and watching this show and getting turned on by the show and watching, and hopefully you'll watch till the end, you will get a, a, a new, uh, a newfound appreciation for what this rivalry meant oh, absolutely. To, the, to, to the game of basketball and to, sports uh, in general i mean it, it really it transformed not just basketball but it transformed uh sports and the rivalry transcended sports because it uh their their rivalry uh it, it it extended off the court and there was a lot of politics involved and racial politics all of that but as a younger guy like going back and watching this you will you will have an appreciation for uh certainly for magic and and the lakers uh, and that's what the show i think wants to do um, and also just to, just as a, a snapshot, as a Polaroid snapshot, uh, going back in time and seeing when things were really just electric and when, yeah. uh, when the, when the, when the NBA became something else and, uh, yeah. it's, it's really, God damn, it's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. I will, you know, at the end of the season, I will send you, uh, an email with my thoughts, because uh, and that okay. will hold me accountable to watch the entire the entire season. Because I I tell you I'm hooked. I'm hooked already. Okay. I'm only 25 minutes okay. in. Um, so yeah. as we wrap this up, man, I just want to ask you, you: you are such a, a knowledgeable person in this in this field. You are obviously a fan of entertainment. What are you watching right now? Like like give me like the top three shows other than Winning Time that you're watching right now that's keeping you entertained, that's keeping you decompressed uh, as you're in between all these podcast interviews that you're doing. I don't know if Yellowstone kept me decompressed because it was so uh, every episode, every was like, Oh my God, what's happening now? Um, it was uh, uh, yeah. Watching Yellowstone was a lot like watching 
The Sopranos for me when it was on, you know, many years ago. Uh, I binged Yellowstone like crazy, got so into Yellowstone. Now I'm watching 1883, the prequel to Yellowstone oh, cool. uh, with Sam Elliott. Uh, loving, loving that. Uh, I just got done with uh, Inventing Anna, which was a hell of a lot of fun. Sh- Shonda Rhimes uh, miniseries, a limited series about uh, Anna Delvey, who is the kind of the scam artist that uh, scammed all the New Yorkers many years ago. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm actually going back, and uh, believe it or not, I'm watching Boardwalk Empire for the first time. Uh, it's it 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 slipped past me the first time it was on the air, and I never got to it. Um, and so I'm watching Boardwalk Empire. I'm five or six episodes in to the first season. Uh, I can't believe I didn't get hip to it when it was on the first time. And uh, I was actually offered a role on it, and I wasn't able to do it because I was doing something else. So. Um, I'm loving that. And I'm also, uh, I'm also into, uh, season four of, uh, of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which oh, is just great show. A, a terrific show. So, yeah, show. uh, a, a pretty wide section of all different kinds of shows and genres. And, uh, but I love, I love Maisel. I've got a couple of friends on that and I love watching them. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, but man, Yellowstone, if you haven't, if, are you, are you, are you hip to Yellowstone? I'm I'm not a Paramount Plus uh, subscriber yet, so I oh, have okay. to. Uh, Fine, you can you can you can you can watch it on iTunes. You can you can oh, buy cool. the season on on iTunes for seventeen bucks. Sweet, worth it. Yeah. Totally worth it. Okay, so good. So right, good. I'll, I'll send you a book report on that as well. <laughs> okay. You don't have to do homework, man. <laughs> well, awesome. Spencer, thank you so much uh, for your time. Uh, seriously, if, if you have not watched Winning Time on HBO yet, uh, watch it. Just do it. It's on HBO Max. You can you can binge watch the first two episodes. Well, actually, at this point, the first three episodes uh, in preparation for episode four, which I'm assuming will come out this weekend. Hey, Spencer, man, this was fun. Uh, do me a favor. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media because I think, I think everyone listening to this needs to follow you immediately. You can follow me. Uh, on the Twitters, I'm at number one, Spencer Garrett, and on Instagram at Spencer Garrett and the number one. Uh, check it out and watch the show. Thanks, man. All right, that was my chat with Spencer Garrett. Uh, he is uh, one of the actors on HBO's Winning Time, a show about the Lakers. Obviously, if you got to this part of the podcast, you know that. Um, Spencer Garrett, man, it was a great conversation with him. Um, I have since binged watched the show, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. So I want to take a second here, and I, I want to talk about something that I'm just so grateful for. Um, you know, if you know me at all, if you've met me in real life, uh, or if you've just happened to uh, listen to any of my podcasts over the last couple of years, uh, you would know that I love concerts and I love uh, a band called Alter Bridge and I love the members of that band and I support them with whatever I can, whenever I can. And with that being said, uh, I just went to uh, my second concert since 
the pandemic started. Now, let me tell you, the first concert I went to was Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, and I have nothing but great things to say about that show. I love that show. I love that show. I love Slash. I love Miles Kennedy. Now, I went to my second show, happened to be Tremonti as the opening act uh, you know, for that night. And, and, and the girl who opened before him was a girl named Lyle, and I'm hoping to get her on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. We're working at the details on that. But the reason why I'm talking about this isn't so much to tell you about the amazing concert that I was able to go to. Uh, a lot of it is to talk about how I am so grateful for concerts. I'm so grateful for live entertainment. And I want to, to encourage you to find an artist that you believe in, that you want to support, that's coming to your town. And I really think that you should go out, buy a ticket, and go enjoy some live music. You deserve it. Now, last week I talked about how stressful life is getting for some people and how, how it, you know, sometimes it just feels like you're underwater and, and you just don't know how you're going to make it to your next portion of your life. And I think that with that mindset and looking at things, that taking some time... And going to a show is going to help relieve some of that stress. I will tell you this. I went to that show. It was it was Tremonti, Lyle, and Daughtry all performing. And I left that show exhausted, but I felt at peace and I felt happy. And I was, for the first time in a while, stress-free uh, and I was starving because I hadn't eaten anything for, for quite a while. And we rushed to the nearest Del Taco. And it was a great time. And it reminded me of the old days. So I really want you to take a second and go and do something for you. Go out and go see the show. Go see the band. Buy a ticket to a movie. Buy the big bucket of popcorn or buy a drink at the show and let loose a little bit because you deserve it. Now, one of the things I want to talk about as well is Mark Tremonti, the lead singer of Tremonti, one of the co-founders of the band Alter Bridge and Creed, is releasing something really interesting. Uh, he is getting ready to release an album he's calling Mark Tremonti Sings Frank Sinatra. And he has his first single out, I Got You Under My Skin. It's out now. Head over to multimediamouth.com. Uh, keyword Mark Tremonti, that's T-R-E-M-O-N-T-I. Uh, and, and in that post, I talk about my thoughts of the song that he did. He's releasing, he's releasing a whole album. But I also uh, embedded the video for I've Got You Under My Skin. And I think you will enjoy it. It's an incredible song, an incredible cover. And he's raising money for Down Syndrome, um, the Down Syndrome Society. So I think that it's a good cause as well. 100% of the proceeds to that will go to the National Down Syndrome Society. So go check it out. Uh, I believe the website is um, Tremonti Sings. Actually, I don't. Yeah, Tremonti Sings Sinatra.com to find out more information on that. With that, make sure to follow me on Twitter at the Ruben J and Instagram at the Ruben J and on Facebook at the Ruben J. Um, and of course, follow on air at on air with Ruben J on Instagram. I'll see you next week. Oh, my guest next week. It's gonna be incredible. My friend is releasing a song. Ruthie craft will be here. So enjoy. I'll be back next week. We'll see you then. <laughs>